So the reading tonight comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 11, and you'll find it on the Church Bibles on page 1079. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Charlotte. Shall we just take a moment to pray, shall we? God, our Father, we um, thank you again uh, for your word. We thank you that your word is, is living and active and um, it gives us uh, uh, what you are saying to us. And uh, we pray that you will help us to uh, hear it and receive it. And that we may go out into this world and live it. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to ask you whether you're a chicken or a pig. (laughs) Does anyone feel like they're a chicken or a pig? A chicken and a pig went for a walk around the farm. Okay, imagine that, can't you? As they passed... At the farmer's window, they notice a, a wonderful breakfast being prepared um, for the farmer and his wife sitting at the breakfast table. Uh, as they peeked closer and closer, they noticed the ham and the eggs on, on the plates. The ham and the eggs. The pig and the chicken were silent for a moment, and as they um, looked in, in the window, um, they took in all that they saw before them. And finally, they looked at the eggs, and uh, and finally looked at the eggs, and uh, the hen, in her prideful uh, kind of contribution, uh, said, "Now that was a sacrifice." The pig looked at the ham on the plate, and finally turned to the chicken and said, "Yes, for you it was a sacrifice, but for us it's total commitment." So are you a committed this evening? Are you a, a chicken or a pig? 
What does it mean to be committed, a committed follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a committed follower of Jesus? Well, let's keep our Bibles open at page 1079, I think it was. Uh, and uh, let's have a look together. There's four things that I want to, just to, to focus on, what it means to be a committed follower of Jesus. The first one is um, to do with the need to abandon our pride. Abandon our pride. Verse 3 says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary um, here does something very, very profound and, in a sense, very disgraceful for the society in which she, she lived. She anoints and washes Jesus' feet. This is such a, a kind of lowly and base thing um, to do that even to the point that, that slaves were often not expected to do this for, their, um, for the people in charge. But Mary not only anoints and washes Jesus' feet, she unties her hair in public. Again, that was such a, a disgraceful thing to do in um, her culture at that time. What on earth is Mary thinking? Well, she's thinking, she's looking, isn't she, at Jesus and saying, I don't care what other people think around me. I know who you are, Jesus, and you deserve my all. You deserve my devotion, my life, my love, everything. She abandons her pride. That's the first thing that we notice, abandons her pride. Pride can have a good side, can't it? It can be a good thing to take pride in things. Um, But, of course, there is a bad side to pride, isn't there? It's that impulse in in all of us, in in our human heart, that says, I'm in charge. I'm I'm the one that calls the shots. Um, You serve me, God. You know, you owe me, God. But if we want to, to come to Christ, if we want to follow Jesus, and I think this is very, very hard for us, for, for SSSBs, triple SBs. Do you know what triple SBs are? I made it up this afternoon. Triple SBs, super, self, super self-sufficient Blackheaths. <laughs> you know, I, I can identify, I think we can identify with that. You have to, for, for us triple SBs, we have to abandon the, our airs and graces. Um, you have to get down on your knees before Jesus. I wonder if you've ever done that. What we mustn't say is if I become a Christian, if I go to church, to this church or that church, they're going to be my kind of people and I can just simply fit in um, to that kind of society and way of living. Um, Let's not do that. Look at Mary here in this passage, wiping the dirt from Jesus' smelly feet. She doesn't care what other people think. She simply knows who Jesus is and knows she owes him everything. And that, of course, is the exact, the exact opposite of pride, isn't it? It's humility. The one, that's the only way to follow Jesus. Just as Jesus says a little later in the chapter, in verse 25, we didn't have it read, but we're looking at it in a few weeks. It says, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So following Jesus, firstly, is about abandoning your pride. That's Mary, isn't it? That's what she's doing here. 
And we need to ask ourselves, what about us? Are we doing that as we follow Jesus? Does, does your pride get in the way of your total commitment? Secondly, um, to follow Jesus, to be, have this kind of total commitment, we need to be discerning his death. It says that in verse 7, it was intended that she, this is Jesus talking, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Why does Mary act this way? What motivates Mary to follow Jesus? What motivates us to actually be here even tonight? You see, it not only matters what we do, but why we do it, isn't it? We can be doing things for the wrong reasons. Our motivations can be so mixed at times. And so, for example, you can be motivated by being very moral, being very good, uh, seen to be doing the right thing. But that's not the reason Mary does what she does. That's not her motivation. You could be motivated by your upbringing. You were raised to come to church. You, you kind of hold a nostalgic view of, of church. And religion kind of gives you that kind of cute feeling in that you remember at some time in the past that you kind of maybe lost a sense of childhood. That can be a motivation. But it's not Mary's motivation. Another motivation is because you're, you're bargaining with God. You're trying to cut a deal with him. I will emulate you, I will emulate you, God. I will serve you if you give me these things in return. You give me a good job, you give me health, wealth, and, uh, and happiness, and all those things. Bargaining motivation. I think it's probably the most common thing that we do. Sometimes motivated by, from guilt. We do certain things because we feel guilty. So we make moral effort to please God. We kind of do that yin-yang thing, you know, if I do enough good to outweigh the bad, that somehow it'll be okay for God. None of these motivations make you a Christian. All these motivations will actually do, will crush you and will burn you out and eventually you'll give up on God. Because you say he's not coming through for you, He's not keeping his side of the bargain. I did all these things and yet God hasn't come through. Just think again about Mary's motivation. What's Mary's motivation? Verse 7, it's there. It was, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Now, although Mary probably didn't understand exactly what was going on, she does seem to get something that the rest of the disciples didn't get. Jesus was going to die for her. This is the motivation to follow Jesus, isn't it? Discerning the cross, understanding Jesus' death for you and for me. This is the main thing. Jesus died for sinners. He's taken away our sins. He's forgiven us. We're blameless before God. What good news. That's the motivation that enables us to sing a song that we're going to sing shortly. Um, were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, divines my soul, my life, my all. All other ways of following Jesus, they just simply won't work. It's a bit like trying to uh, take a piece of metal uh, and try to bend a, a piece of metal 
you know how difficult it is to bend a piece of metal. It's really hard um, to bend it into shape, to change its shape by force. It's really difficult. When we do that, we put tremendous stress, don't you? If you actually do bend a piece of metal, you put tremendous amount of stress on it and strain, and it actually might shatter and break. Just like us, we, we're a bit like that piece of metal. We naturally are, are, are bent in the wrong way. Um, you can't try and bend it right yourself. Um, the only way to bend metal is to heat it up, isn't it? It, it is to make it soft. And then you can bend it in all sorts of directions and you can actually make all sorts of beautiful things, can't you, once it's soft. The things you, you and I want to change in your life, I don't know what it might be. There might be loads of things that you want to change in your life to, to follow Jesus. Um, you might want to be a more patient person. You might want to get less angry. You might want to stop um, gossiping. Maybe there's things you shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be watching on, online. Um, you might want to be more generous, whatever it might be, to become more Christ-like. There's a motivation that is artificial and mechanical, and it's like bending metal. They just break. You just won't be able to do it, or it will shatter. But if you, if you look instead and discern the death of Jesus Christ for you and for me... If you look at it and you allow it to soften your heart, you'll be able to change in all sorts of ways, in ways that you can't possibly imagine now. It'll change you into a Christ-like character because your heart will be heated up. It'll be on fire, it'll be soft, it'll be tender, and God can change you. Following Jesus means abandoning your pride, but following Jesus also means um, to discern his death. Thirdly, it's not all. Thirdly, give him your all. Give him your all. Verse 4 says, But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used, him to, ha- used to help himself to what was put into it. A year's wage, I don't know what that might be. It depends on your salary, doesn't it? Uh, could be 20K, 30K, 50K, whatever it might be. <laughs> a youth worker's wage. Um, Can you, imagine, can you imagine just thinking about your wage, if you're a wage, loving somebody um, that much? We get, we kind of get where Jesus is coming from, don't we? Kind of get it, don't you? You kind of think, well, let's give it moderation. Um, let's not get fanatical about this following Jesus thing, you know? Fanaticism sounds like some really extreme kind of people. Um, But Jesus isn't concerned here, is he? He's not concerned by that at all. 
No such thing as extravagance when it comes to devotion to Jesus. In Matthew 13, Jesus teaches a, a really little, nice little parable, which I think kind of gets to the heart of this. In Matthew 13, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he, did, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Sold all he had and bought that field. Our attitude to stuff, in a way, should be a bit like that. Should be like that. We should hold lightly to the things that we have that seem to us somehow safe and secure. So, for example, following Jesus could cost you a relationship, couldn't it? But we say, we should be able to say, the love I lose for following Christ will be nothing like the love I get from Christ. The person who finds the hidden treasure of great value will sell everything he has, not begrudgingly or reluctantly, but with joy, it said, but because they know it's worth it. There's a story, I may have told, I've told this story a few times. I'm sorry if I've told this before, but there's a, there was a minister who, had, who talked about when he had two students in um, his church and they were doing their degree and the students wanted to go out onto a mission field to do some uh, work in community health they'd been inspired by their faith they wanted to follow Jesus in, into the mission field um, well the parents of these two women were not best pleased <laughs> and they came to the minister and said they're just girls too young for the mission field. Can you talk to them? Some sense into them. Don't you see they need a job? They need a career? They need something to fall back on. They should do a master's degree or something like that. Um, so they have some security. They can think about these other things later on in, in life. So the minister um, looked at them and said, let me be really frank with you. We're all on this little ball of rock flying through the universe of space and time. We're spinning at thousands of miles per hour and one day everything is going to come crashing down and underneath us all is a trapdoor and that's going to open one day and either we're going to fall off this planet and underneath us will either be the everlasting arms of God himself or nothing. And do you think a master's degree is going to be of give you some security when that happens? That's what he said. I think we need a perspective, don't we? We've got to say sometimes, we've got to say, come on. We need to hear ourselves when we say some of these things. When we see the King of glory, when we see the King of glory in all his beauty, in all his splendor, in all his value, we see the hidden treasure. Like Mary, she got that. She saw the hidden treasure, didn't she? And she gave everything up, everything of value that she had, and she gave it to him.
She saw him for who he was and for what he was going to do. A whole new reality enters her heart. When Jesus comes into our lives, it's, it's a bit, it should be a bit like, um, like all the stars in the sky go out. Because instead the sun comes up into the sky. And the stars disappear, don't they? Because the sun has come up. It should be that kind of comparison when, we, when we're following Jesus. We suddenly have the sun in front of us. All those little things that charm us greatly. All those twinkly lights that seem to charm our lives. That seem valuable. And of course they can be very good things. But in comparison to the sun, they disappear. That's what it's like, this hidden treasure. This is what it's like, the kingdom of God is like, knowing Jesus. Just bursts onto us in utter brilliance that everything else just pales away into insignificance. It's tremendous. Following Jesus means giving your all. You see the value. You see, and that's what Mary got here, isn't it? She just saw who Jesus was. And finally, and very briefly, um, it means... Giving you. Following Jesus means giving you. It means surrendering yourself. Verse 3 said, that little phrase, she wiped his feet with her hair. What's that all about? It's about surrender, isn't it? So it takes a, you know, it's a sign of surrender. Uh, taking your hair down in that culture, was saying, I'm giving myself to you. It had other overtones, and it's the tones that you're thinking in that culture. It meant to give yourself over to somebody. It's to do with surrender. She's giving herself completely, not just her thing of the, the nard, the perfume, but herself to Jesus. It's to do with surrender. At the, and... I'm sorry my analogies and stories are all from my farming background as well, but I do remember very vividly, um, every, at least once a year, um, my father and I would dip the sheep. Um, if you don't know what dipping the sheep is, I'm about to explain it to you. Um, it meant taking every single sheep um, through a giant tank of antiseptic. It was a real faff, I tell you. you had to, I had to wear, like, sort of... Uh, up head to toe in, in uh, pla- um, rubber and uh, you know covered up from head to toe, um, and then all the sheep had to go through it because and they had to be plunged under. They had to go into the tank for three minutes and they had to have their head plunged under the, the tank to kill off any maggots that were potentially could grow under the wool, and that actually could kill the animals if it, they weren't treated. These. They were like flesh-eating maggots. Sorry, that's too vivid for you, I know. But, so you get the picture anyway, don't you? Um, the sheep that we had were extremely valuable. They were pedigree um, Suffolk sheep. They were very, very valuable. But my father was a good shepherd. He was a good shepherd. And he cared for the flock. Of course, there was no way of explaining to the sheep what was going on but in order to keep them from danger it had to be done it's a good analogy isn't it we have, a, we have the good shepherd in Jesus Christ who sees 
what we are like. He sees the maggots in, all, in us all that are underneath our wool, <laughs> as it so to speak. A lot of the time we can never, never understand, never comprehend, never know why the loving, the loving Heavenly Father does certain things and allows certain things. The knowledge is too vast, too vast, too wonderful, too high for us to attain. We can't possibly know it. If we did, we would know the mind of God. Surrendering to God, being obedient to Christ, following him, is not the same as knowing what he is up to. I think that's very important for us to say. Being obedient, surrendering to Christ, following Jesus, is not the same as knowing what he's up to. No, like Paul, who says in Timothy... When he is suffering, he said, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I am believed. I know whom I'm trusting in. We, we mustn't say, I believe, this, I believe it if this or that happens. Because that's always conditional. It's a conditional love. That's bargaining with God. You're trying to be your own Lord and Master. Instead, We must live lives of obedience, of surrender, no matter what it might mean. The hardest thing is to give in, isn't it? The hardest thing is to surrender, to let Christ lead, to let him put you under, to plunge you under the antiseptic, as it were. To tell you what to do, to let him tell you your identity and what's best for you. The hardest thing to give is to give in. We're stubborn creatures. I tell you, sheep are stubborn. You try putting sheep through a dip. <laughs> it's a nightmare. But that's what it means to follow Jesus. Being a Christian is dying to self. To self-determination. You no longer get to decide who you are. That's quite a hard thing to say in our culture, isn't it? Where we're often told you can be whatever you want to be. It's actually a subversive thing to say. Jesus gives us the principle again, actually, later again in the chapter. He says, verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds are you am I prepared to come and die to follow Jesus the seed has to go under to go into the ground and die before it can sprout before it can produce it's the same for us we need to daily die to self let Jesus be in control let Jesus, bring forth that growth, that new life. Growth in Christ-like character. So we together may grow in discipleship. Shall we just take a moment to be quiet and I'll lead us in prayer. God, our Father, we 
thank you for your word. We thank you for Mary's example here for us, who gave everything she had to follow you, who gave herself, who came and surrendered before you, who came and died before you so that you could take control. Father, we know how difficult this is for us and we can't do it by ourselves. We pray that you, by your Spirit, would lead us and would show us how to follow you now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.